0: Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest tops for under eighteen bucks, JanSport backpacks for twenty five percent off, and thirty percent off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra fifteen percent and picked up Kohl's cash. So yeah, not sure who's more excited right now—me or the girls. Select styles, fifteen percent off ends August fifteenth. Levi's coupons do not apply. Limited quantities apply. See store Kohl's account for details.
1: Minute Maid slushies are back at McDonald's. And if you'd like to thank me for that information, I'll gladly take a slushie. It's more than a drink. It's a McDonald's drink.
0: Right now, treat yourself to a small Minute Maid slushie, like the new strawberry watermelon flavor for $1.59. Or try small McCafe frappes and smoothies for just 2 bucks. Price and participation may vary. Limited time only. Minute Maid is a trademark of the Coca-Cola Company.
2: I know this probably feels like it was a month ago, but this was just last week, and I think this bears repeating. He has yet once to condemn white supremacy,
1: the neo-Nazis. He hasn't condemned the darn thing. But
2: are you willing tonight to
1: condemn white supremacists and militia groups? Sure. Yeah, David Duke just joined a bigot, a racist a problem. Would I mean, you, I'm, I'm not repud- looking. Would you for- repudiate David? Duke? Sure.
3: Uh, David Duke
0: uh, and robocalls are out again, the white supremacist movement supporting you. Uh, do you have any know. words for that? Well, I
1: disavow. David Duke endorsed me. Okay. All right. I disavow. Okay. When well, we looked at it and looked at the question. I disavowed David Duke. So I disavowed David Duke all weekend long on Facebook, on Twitter, and really? obviously it's never enough. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal statement renouncing the support of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. When Chris joined, we had a news conference and they asked me the exact same question. I said, I disavow. I disavowed then. I disavowed today on ABC with George Stephanopoulos. I disavowed again. Uh, David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. I totally disavow. The Ku Klux Klan, I totally disavow David Duke. Ultimately, he got to the Ku Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. Do you want those votes? No, I don't want them, and I don't want him to say it. And you want, I want the supporters? No, either. I don't want anything. I, what do you how think how many of white times?
3: supremacists, by the way?
1: I don't like any group of hate.
3: David Duke announced his Senate candidacy claiming your
1: agenda. Are you ready before you ask the question? Newt Gingrich said, every Republican should repudiate this guy no matter matter what it takes. And I do. Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuked. Rebuked. Done. Done. Do you want white supremacists to vote for you? No, I don't at all. Not at all.
0: His campaign is denouncing a show of support from the KKK's official newspaper, as in the Ku Klux Klan.
1: In the same New York Times interview, he denounced white supremacists, he denounced the neo-Nazis who support him. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK. Neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. I spoke out forcefully against hatred, bigotry, and violence, and strongly condemned the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, and the KKK.
0: President Donald Trump signed a congressional joint resolution that condemns white supremacy, neo-Nazis, and other hate groups.
1: In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry and white supremacy any group of hate i don't like it any group of hate i am whether it's white supremacy whether it's any other kind of supremacy whether it's antifa whether it's any group of hate i am very concerned about it and i'll do something about it
0: Of America, here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe.
2: And welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I am your host, Brian Bledsoe, and if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, go to at brian l bledsoe and if you want to check us out on facebook just search for trend chat with brian bledsoe so well first off i know you hear our intro every episode and i just want to mention because i was on blaze tv recently and got a chance to actually meet the voice of trend chat really because um for people that don't know, I've had Hillary Kennedy on the show to talk about UFC and and other things as well, but we've never met in person. Um, she was gracious enough to uh, to do the intro and and record it, but we'd never met until I went to the Blade Studios last week for a Chad Prater show, and um, and so yeah, it, it's great to to finally meet meet her in person and. And, yeah, actually, I uh, got a chance to meet definitely Holly, who has been on the podcast before met her for the first time because she was a guest on the, the chat for the show as well. So I just wanted to to mention that. And hopefully I would, um, you know, be able to to get on Blaze TV again in the future. I would like to get back on there before the election if if I can, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. So Again, just you know, thank you to this new episode of Trend Chat, and like I said in the beginning, the um uh, in playing that clip, like I said, I know it's been it's like over a week now <laughs> since uh, since the presidential debates. Actually, we have the vice presidential debates coming up later tonight as we're recording here in Valdosta, Georgia, on Wednesday morning. <laughs> and i well given that the that debate doesn't happen till later tonight one thing i will say is that i'm almost certain that uh, that the debate will be more of a debate as opposed to what happened during the presidential debate Um, i think it'll be more based on the issues it will be more structured probably and i mean you have a less fireworks between you know kamala harris and mike pence but i think it'll be a it would be a better debate as far as talking about the the issues and the policy and all of that now saying that it'll probably be considered boring <laughs> um because of that but i would think it'll be a actual debate between the two um would don't know. We're going to have another presidential debate, given the news with president Trump and, you know, him being diagnosed with COVID and all of that. And Joe Biden now, you know, saying that he <laughs> doesn't want to debate um, in person debate if he's still, you know, still have COVID and all of that. So um, we'll, that's next week. So there's a lot that can happen between now and then as far as what's going to happen with that debate, if it's going to happen at all. But in playing that clip where you heard all those different times where president Trump denounced, um, denounced white supremacy and all of that. And like I said, I know playing that, um, some people who are maybe are listening to this podcast has probably heard all those clips a number of times already. And, And it really doesn't matter how many times he denounced white supremacy, not to the media, because at this point they very well know. They they know about all those clips. They heard all those different times. At this point, it's really just a form of deception to manipulate voters to help Joe Biden at this point. Because there's no way you have all those times where you heard President Trump denounce, denounce over and over again, and you keep coming back, like in that debate where you had Chris Wallace say, "Well, will you, will you now condemn like like he hasn't before?" At this point, it's just yeah, it's just manipulation right now. They're just trying to get another soundbite to make it seem like he hasn't done it before, and there are a good number of people that are not going to even hear all those other clips, all those other times. or don't remember them. Uh, remember any of that, any of those times? Cause if, if he has done it, then it was not really, uh, reported on nearly as much. The only time they really report is when he, uh, when he maybe doesn't say what they want to hear, how they, how he says it or whatever like that. But yeah, at this point to keep asking this question is, it should be noticed for what it is, but unfortunately it's not because there's gonna be a lot of people who going like every time they ask the question, they're gonna think like this is the first time he <laughs> he've ever done it. If he if he does it then or that he has never done it because the media is asking the question. So and at the same time, I know you don't hear nearly as much hounding from the media on Joe Biden to denounce Antifa or Black Lives Matter as far as all the the violence that's been going on across the country. I mean, they're the main instigators of the violence going on. And, and as much as they want to, maybe they'll say that they're, they're not Biden supporters, but they want Trump gone just as badly as Biden does and and now you well now you have michelle obama out here practically just just lying about the violence that's going on and her little video a couple of i think a day or so ago and where she's trying to blame trump supporters when all this time her and her ilk out there were defending all this violence and just saying like well you know it they we don't care about the property damage. You know, they got insurance who cares about what's, you know, is these uh, businesses are burning down and, and all of that. They've been defending all of this for all these months until recently. And when they noticed that their poll numbers were um, hurt by all this uh, violence that's going on. So now they literally are trying to flip the script now and having someone like Michelle Obama out there with all her influence out there to lie literally about all the violence going on and trying to shift the blame and flip it and you're going to have people that are going to believe her. And, and, and now you have that. And, I mean, another thing she was saying as far as thinking that, um, saying that, uh, president Trump, as far as being able to, um, uh, um, to count on people's fears and, and how he's able to use that and all of that and how, and in and, and the mentioning that, like, you gotta be kidding me, right? From Michelle Obama, because you have practically everyone in the media on your side, you know, saying parroting everything you're saying and taking every um, taking everything from your perspective. And so all President Trump has is himself, really, in a lot of cases and not even Fox News, because, I mean, we can go back as far as to the debate where so you had one of the questions and you know a a number of the questions were okay but i think some especially when they were talking about race and where when chris wallace was talking about these different cities and mentioning about you know uh what uh, joe biden mentioned about pride boys organization when they trying to lump them with white supremacy and all of that but also when he was mentioning cities across america and talking about white supremacy and talking about the violence going on in those cities, you had different groups out there at these different cities. You didn't have um, organizations uh, uh, like Proud Boys at every one of these places. You had different organizations that were out there that was in opposition to Antifa, Black Lives Matter, that was out here in these protests and in these riots that, that were going on. And so now you, you pretty much have all of mainstream media, in a sense, including Fox News, That have bought in to the um, narrative that anybody that goes to these protests in opposition to a group, you know, with a nice, cute name like Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist organization, uh, you know, some call it a terrorist organization as far as when these riots are going on. And this organization named Black Lives Matter, that is. Anti-American, they have bought into that narrative where anybody that is in, that goes to these protests in opposition to this organization is automatically a white supremacist. So, and actually, I wish one thing during that debate that he would have um, like challenged the terms that. Chris Wallace were using cause you know, like I said, anyone that is in opposition to black lives matter is considered a white supremacist just because, and I think so kind of like talking about Pro boys. Like, I don't know anything about Pro boys. I mean, I heard of them and all, and all of that. And so I don't, I don't know personally about any of them. Um, I know one thing, they're not the ones, um, that are the, the main group out here committing all this violence and property destruction and all of the looting and all of that. That's not coming from the proud boys. I can at least say that much, but that's what they want to make everyone believe now. Right? Like Michelle Obama. Now trying to um, flip that on them. Now I wish, like I said, the, the terms like critical race theory and, um, you know, well, speaking of climate change, I haven't even mentioned who we'll have on. We'll have Mark Marano um, on later on with the interview talking about his new movie Climate Hustle, Two. And so we'll play that later on uh, this episode. So I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't mention that at the beginning. So. I should have just went I, I need to just if I have a guest to make sure I'm mentioning at the beginning, even though you can see it on the title and all of that. Just to kinda keep a structure anyway, but if you've been listening to this podcast, you know the structure is is kinda all over the place. So <laughs> that being said, so the terms that were going on uh, in the, the presidential in the presidential debate where, you know, just mentioning the term white supremacist, like To the media, that pretty much means anybody that is critical of anything black, anything of a a person of color, regardless of if it's um, if it's true or not, just anything that that is critical is is considered white supremacist now in their eyes. So by saying that whenever at this point, whenever they're telling um, President Trump, we do you denounce white supremacists or whatever like that, like the term that they're what they mean by that is basically anybody that's conservative is considered a white supremacist in their eyes. So they'll, they'll lump everyone in. They'll lump me in now just because they'll just say, what well, I guess they'll probably like say I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a sympathizer or something like that. Um, just because of having any, any conservative thought because in their, in their mind, it's all about just continuing a progression of some form of socialism, some form of communism that keeps that is coming. They just want to keep pushing this country further and further to the left as much as possible. And they have plenty of people, I've mentioned this too many times on this podcast, in media, entertainment, news media, Hollywood, it's all across academia. It you know, all of them are trying to push and the only thing standing in their way is President Trump. to push into all sorts of, like I said, communism, Marxism, all that. All The only thing standing in the way is president Trump and, you know, and Republican majority in the Senate and something like that. And so one I know, one of the terms that they mentioned, they were talking about. So Chris Wallace said that it was racial in, uh, sensitivity training and asking president Trump, why did he, You know, stop those um that training that was going on, not using the term critical race theory about um about that training, or I guess some, especially some on the left, the liberals and Democrats who call like anti-racist training or something something like that. See, it's a nice, cute name, right? Anti-racist. You don't want to be racist, right? So they call it anti-racist to make a thing like, oh, that's it's just a you know a, a beautiful training course to make everyone all you know loving towards one another and all that but it's not but you know this training which is i would not be surprised to probably have stuff from robin d'angelo about white fragility and all of that and and it's basically this anti-racist anti-racist training is just basically telling white people to shut up and never be critical of anything from a person of color you know, accept their feelings as truth, regardless if it's factual or not, and just feed more white guilt to manipulate everyone in that corporation or in that group or whatever just to to just to bow down to whatever person of color, black, black or brown or whatever, just, just bow down to their feelings, whatever they said, regardless if it's true or not, that does not matter it's all about just agreeing with whatever their experience is. And that's what they, and like I said, that's all, that's all it's about now. And that's all this training is, is about just said they'll come into this classroom and they'll say, okay, all your white people are bad. Everything about you is bad. All black people, brown people. We're all good. We, we all, we, we do no wrong. If we do anything wrong, you better not say anything about it. and, and, because by doing that, you will just further our oppression, and we, and we we will feel even more bad and more sad, and then we will get really mad and go out into the streets and burn your house down.
1: This is Morgan Zegers, the founder and CEO of Young Americans Against Socialism. We are a nonprofit organization working to preserve a free, fair, and prosperous America for generations to come, all by equipping our generation with the truth about socialism. If you're interested in watching our educational videos, donating to the cause, joining the Ask Coalition, or becoming a contributor, you can do all of these things at fightsocialism.org. We hope you'll join us in this crucial fight for the future of our great country. Thanks!
0: Hey everybody! It is Chad Prather, host of the Chad Prather Show. You are listening to Trend Chat with my man Brian Bledsoe. Come on with it.
2: So you want to keep America great, but you don't know where to go to get some Trump Central gear? Check out TrumpMug.com, and if you put in the code Trend Chat, you get ten percent off. So at TrumpMug.com, they have flags, coins mugs of course so go to trumpmug.com put in the code trendchat get 10% off again trumpmug.com with the code trendchat for 10% off alright so uh now in what I was mentioning you know earlier is that we don't know if we're gonna have another presidential debate because if you, I'm pretty sure everyone has heard about this, about president Trump and um, Melania Trump, first lady were diagnosed with, uh, with COVID-19. And you know, you could have, I mean, it's not surprising, but it's, it's always disappointing to go on Twitter or any social media. It's not just Twitter, just social media in general. And when you see, the news when he posted about being diagnosed you saw all sorts of people on there especially you know the left on and liberals and whatnot that are cheering the fact that he had covid and wishing for his death (laughs) quite you know plainly that's plain as as i can be and i know mentioning that because i mean politics in general you got you got that going on and a lot of on, on both sides and to to a degree. I would say the hate towards Trump and especially in this sense about him having this um uh, having this disease and you know having COVID with everything that's been going on this year and just the how gleeful they were and wanting him to just die. So you can say what you want about Obama during those times and people, you know, and seeing a bunch of hateful comments towards Obama. There wasn't a lot saying about him to die. (laughs) Um, there, there were plenty as far as disagreeing with his policies and all of that. But on the scale between one and the other, I'm sure you could find some during the Obama years that said that, but in comparison, if you compare the two, I'm almost certain it's more, and and more vicious, and and I, actually, this this wasn't something that was that's new. Um, you've had people on social media been saying that before he announced he had COVID, just because they hate him so much, and you know when we mention, you know, and finding out about it and saying that you know we were praying for the president and that, you know, for a speedy recovery and that he gets well and all of that. And a lot of times, it's, you know, as soon as you mentioned that, especially about Trump, they were like, well, did you do that for Obama or whatever like that? Did you, did you pray for Obama? It's like you're praying for Trump and all that. And, and I would say yes, actually. And because we, you know we'll pray for Trump just as much as you pray for Obama. You pray for their health spiritually and physically and that they will make good godly decisions, you know, as the leader of our country. Now, you know, during the Obama years, there were plenty of prayers. You know, there, there were plenty of prayers that he will stop endorsing the killing of babies in the womb, a.k.a. of You know, abortion or stop seeking to take more of our hard earned income with higher taxes or to stop using the IRS to punish your political opponents or stop encouraging lawlessness by elite, you know, enabling illegal immigrants and rewarding that criminal behavior with citizenship and you know, stop forcing government run healthcare with, you know, of Obamacare that goes against our religious beliefs, um, specifically with birth control. Yeah. You know, essentially it was prayer after prayer after prayer for Obama to stop being a Democrat <laughs> and plan, you know, you know, their plans to just replace God and add more laws and regulations and further seize more control in their ultimate goal as Democrats, to have all control in every aspect of our lives. So, yes, we did pray for Obama. <laughs> I will say we pray just as much for Obama, just like we pray for Trump. So now <laughs> because um, you know, I'm pretty sure back during the Obama years, I'm pretty sure there were probably some people doing some imprecatory prayers now. You know, I ain't going to get into that. But, um, you know, I I remember the reason I'm not getting into it because it just came across my mind. And if I should have, I should have looked that up because if, well, I guess if you know what I'm talking about in purgatory prayers and all of that, so, but you have to look it up. I like I have not thought about that long enough to, to really get in depth on that. But, um, but yeah, now I know there was another, as far as talking about liberals, making fun of Trump's diagnosis. And you had this skit on Saturday night, live, uh, Saturday night live. And you had Jim Carrey as Joe Biden, which, if you follow jim carrey on social media especially on twitter you know how hateful he is towards um republicans in general and so him being joe biden i wasn't surprised um now to be fair he did make some you know light little jabs at joe biden you know as liberals do as certain like you know Saturday night live would do you know they give little light jabs at the at their friends, but um, when it comes to talking about Trump and anybody you know that's conservative or, or Republican, you know it's it's all the knives are out, the horns are out, and they go for the <laughs> go for the juggler, and they just get that vicious in their um, quote unquote comedy. And so in that skit where they were um, you know about the debate and all of that, you had um, Jim Carrey as Joe Biden, basically mocking the sense of, of president Trump having the COVID and saying about wouldn't it be nice if science and karma came together and gave us a sign or something like that. And then he would look over at, um, Trump who was played by Alec Baldwin and, you know, and then everybody in the crowd laughed. They thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Um, and, and so again, like I said, as much as, during Obama years as much you disagree and you have people that was out here just gleefully cheering his death and cheering his bad health as far as any diagnosis or something like that. But I mean, well not talking about Obama didn't really have anything like that, but I'm saying like, you know, any sort of bad news that happens towards uh, Trump, they're just jumping for joy. And, and, um, at, at the same sense, as far as talking about, if someone mentioned anything about old grandpa Joe, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, because this comes from the same people who always want to talk about Trump being um, so brash and why he had to say what he says on Twitter. And why is he why is he being so mean, basically? And, you know, and why does not he show more uh, decorum or whatever like that? And these are the same people that always want to criticize whatever Trump does. But um, but yet they want to have no problem as far as. When they hear about uh, President Trump and is getting COVID, all of a sudden, all that all that compassion kind of goes out the window. And but you know what? But if someone like myself or any conservative say anything about old Grandpa Joe or whatever like that, they'll say, you know. You know, the fact that he had to walk around with a dog tag just to remember his name or that he looks like a decrepit old used, used car salesman right? with the creepy little hands on little kids. So, I mean, you say all that, but still wouldn't be wishing death on a man still. But if you said any of that, all of a sudden, oh, you just classless. I can't believe you said something like that. <laughs> so, but, um, but, yeah, you, know, you know, I know that they feel justified. In their hate towards Trump because they feel he is evil personified. This is something I mentioned on the Blexit Texas podcast on on Sunday. You know, because they they feel he is just the devil incarnate. (laughs) And so.
0: Want to hear some inside scoop? If your kids are as ready to go back to school as mine are, you gotta check out Kohl's. I got my daughters the cutest tops for under eighteen bucks, Jansport backpacks for twenty five percent off, and thirty percent off Levi's jeans for me. I even saved an extra fifteen percent and picked up Kohl's cash. So yeah, not sure who's more excited right now—me or the girls. Select styles, fifteen percent offer ends August fifteenth. Levi's coupons do not apply. Some to apply. See store Kohl's account for details.
2: for and wanting all the bad things to happen to, to President Trump and have and no hesitation in feeling that way because that's how they see him. They see him as Hitler and all of that. I mean, the media, uh, when they saw President Trump back at the White House after staying at Walter Reed for a couple of days and when he came back to the White House, she had MSNBC talking about this a Mussolini moment and stuff like that. So stuff like that. So that's how they see President Trump. So... Um, the ends justify the means. And so, if anything, anything that would, um, that would take President Trump out, they don't care what, how it's done, whether it's politically or, or literally physically, um, from this earth. They don't care. <laughs> and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, because the one reason that I mean that they, have this unhinged hate towards president Trump, because as I said earlier, he stands in their way, you know, of the Democrats from basically ruling every part of our lives from cradle to grave. Actually, I, I said that, <laughs> said that on Sunday, but let me take that back again. It's not cradle to the grave because Democrats endorse, advocate for the killing of babies in the womb all the way until the ninth month they, they don't care. They will want they want the baby. They want the woman to have the choice to kill that baby, regardless, because like they they will say it's my body, my choice, but it's actually not their body. It's a baby's body. It's a different DNA and, and on and on. But like I said, they're for abortion, they're for killing babies in the womb. So it's not really they want to take care of you from the cradle to the grave because in a lot of cases, they don't even want you to make it to the cradle. If they don't, if they feel it's inconvenient, like if you don't, if if someone don't want the child, then that child should die. That's how they see it as far as abortion. Uh, And in their eyes, a, a, a human life is only valuable to the point of convenience. So, if the woman is want the baby, then the then the baby can live. The baby, if the woman don't want the baby then she chooses to kill it. Now that sort of logic doesn't work in in any part of life, but for Democrats, it works when it comes to like, like I said, for babies in the womb. So, so yeah, so Trump stands in the way of all of of that, all their plans, and they're willing to do any and everything um, to achieve (laughs) whatever goals they can to get him out of office. So saying this, as we get closer to the election and it's a, uh, it's going to be uh, <laughs> to just to think about how, what's going to happen at the, on election day and all that is, and by mentioning that, because I know I'm going to be an election judge, uh, alternate election judge in my County in Tarrant County, Texas. And so I'll be there at our polling location and, You know, all this what's going on. I mean, you have the mail-in ballots and all of that. So because I'm pretty sure that regardless of what's going on in different states, there's going to be a larger influx of mail-in ballots across the country. That's just going to happen and how that's going to affect that. You know, one thing I would mention before we go to the next Segment, and we're gonna have our interview with Mark Morano when it comes to mail in balloting. One thing I, two things I think, well, also, that I think they mentioned this in the presidential debate is that talking about you know mail in balloting is there going to be any election, you know, voter fraud or whatever like that? And I wish I don't know if he was, um, I think he knows about this, and I don't know as far as mentioning this how this is going to play but I've mentioned it before and I posted about it about the postal workers union that represents almost half the postal workers you know a- across the country their executive board endorsed Joe Biden like that sh- should be a problem that should be a very big problem just right there on his face when it comes to mail in balloting balloting <clears throat> And uh, and also I know someone I think I saw a meme about this where they were saying, Would you mail your lottery ticket? <laughs> you know, will you put your lottery lottery ticket in the mail? Or would you just put cash in the mail? Like will you feel safe and confident mailing mailing that? And so. Because I think you should see your ballot as as valuable as a lottery ticket or, you know, or cash. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people here that really don't value their vote and just they just want to go with the the convenient route just because, you know, because they're they don't see it as important. I mean, they see it important enough to actually vote, but they don't really consider how easily this could be swayed and how their ballot can be, um, can be, um, either lost or changed in between. Cause you are putting another middleman in between you and your vote and anything can happen. I'm not saying it could, you know, it is going to happen, but the, the or the opportunity presents itself to happen. And that, you know, it very well could happen. And like I said, I go back again talking about the postal workers union there. Why wouldn't they feel, especially if they have the thought, like I mentioned before, that Trump is so evil that he must be stopped at all costs. So again, the ends justify the means. So I, if I commit this illegal act for the greater good of this country, I can see a lot of people making that decision and saying, yeah, I'm going to do this for the greater good. So, and I know this has been, uh, I guess some old news, but I guess I will end this segment with this. I know in talking about when um, Trump's taxes came up, it, cause that was something that was, uh, was a story like a couple of days before the um, the debate. And all I would say is this, Abolish the IRS and decentralize the federal government.
0: This is Lacey Williams, the founder and president of Expressions Magazine, letting you know that you can order our quarterly magazine and support female conservatives by visiting express-conservatism.com, or you can follow us on social media, on Instagram with the username of expressions underscore conserve mag, or on Twitter with the handle of at express underscore conserve. Get your copy today.
2: Hey, it's Lawrence Jones with Fox News. Check out Trend Chat with my brother Brian Blesso. Trend Chat is proud to be a part of the Hashtag Life Tribe or Culture of Life as they seek to celebrate life through the world of fashion. Go to col1972.com and get 10% off your purchase when you enter the code Trend Chat. All right, so, well, in speaking about you know President Trump and um, his uh, you know uh, fight of COVID nineteen, and he was at Walter Reed for a couple of days. He's back at the White House now, and much to to the chagrin of a lot of people in the media, of course, apparently that he's doing well. You would think. The president doing well will be a good thing, but it seems like they're just like, why is he, why is he back at the White House? I mean, they, just, why is he driving around all day? I mean, all, I mean, well, goodness, I wish they would just shut up. <laughs> um, cause, um, anyway, he's, he likes to, he's back at it. And, um, you know, who knows as far as anything? I mean, he's obviously getting the best, uh, care as far as, What's, um, the, um, treatment and everything that he's, he's receiving and all of that. I, I know I saw some people who were like, well, he's getting a special kind of treatment. Well, for one, he's president. So that's kind of surprising. That's not, su- should not be surprising. <laughs> um, but, um, also in talking about some of the, I guess some of the treatment, like, uh, experimental drugs that he's getting. And I remember, Seeing like a meme going around saying like, well, about the vac, uh, yeah, about the vaccine saying, well, if the vaccine is safe, let the politicians take it. <laughs> uh, um, and if it's safe and you know, stuff like that. Okay. So he's actually willing to take some of these experimental treatments. And I think that she should be a good thing for people to. A giveaway. I mean, like I said, we don't even know if he just started taking it. And, um, and if people can't get access to it, to whatever those treatments are that they want to get, if they want it and can't get uh, any access to it, then that's not really an issue about the president It's more issue of bureaucracy <laughs> as far as all the red tape that you have to go through. And, that's more of the issue than anything as far as people getting access to some, to some of this treatment. So anyway, before we get to our interview with Mark Morano, actually, you know what? We're going to, we're going to shout out the locations after the interview, because we're going to get to this interview now. So we spoke with Mark Murano recently about his new movie, Climate Hustle 2, which is um, hosted by Kevin Sorbo. And we talked with Mark about the movie and um, things that have been going on because of COVID and everything. So uh, without further ado, here's our interview with Mark. Hi, i Mr. Trent Chap, and we are very pleased to have a producer, writer, and currently the executive editor and chief correspondent at ClimateDepot.com. But we here to talk with him about his new movie, Climate Hustle 2. And we're here to speak with Mark Morano. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on today.
2: So with everything that you've done as far as being on you know, various major networks like Fox News and all, all sorts of major networks and being published and being an author as well, what was your motivation to do this movie?
3: Well, the motivation was that the, the media, the mainstream media, has decided about seven or eight years ago, by the early 2010s, to not even allow debate on it. You were, The Los Angeles Times not even allowing skeptical letters to the editor that challenged the United Nations or Al Gore's claims. And, of course, way back to the 90s before that, the media was just promoting one side, but they still allowed some debate. Well, it became just completely over the top to the point where we needed to get another you – know, the, the public had to hear the other side. So we did Climate Hustle, which came out in 2016, and then Climate Hustle 2, which we just had our big premiere last week, And now is available for purchase on demand and um, on DVD at climatehustle2.com. And the movie basically uses the media's claims and the United Nations claims. And we refute them with former United Nations scientists and Nobel Prize winning scientists as we go through the movie and tell you what's what is and isn't true about climate change claims.
2: Okay, and how long is the film?
3: It's a full-length documentary. It's about 90 minutes long. It features actor Kevin Sorbo as the uh, host. I am the reporter, Mark Morano from Climate Depot. And we traveled the world. We went through Europe. We went to United Nations Climate Summits. Uh, we interviewed the former UN Climate Chief. We interviewed Vaclav Klaus, the former Czech president. We interview scientists. We interviewed um, energy experts. And we go through it, and we have a whole section on Hollywood hypocrisy. Uh, I actually interviewed Harrison Ford at the last U.N. Climate Summit. Harrison Ford is the actor, obviously, and he was such a climate activist. The U.N. has him as a designated spokesman at all their conferences. Well, he is so passionate about flying that he's admitted that he flies up the coast uh, for a cheeseburger. That's, you know, but that's not very climate friendly. So we have a whole section on hypocrisy, on children indoctrination, on wacky solutions, professors who want to shrink human beings to lower our carbon footprints, genetically alter our bodies so that we're smaller. You know, the next generation is smaller.
2: Okay. Seeing your biography and seeing you being a reporter for uh, Rush Limbaugh um, back in the 90s. And so doing something like this, where you are the reporter in um, in this film as well, is this, I guess, a subject as far as climate, this something you have been um, more of a, of a passion in doing this?
3: Yes. In fact, for when I was with Rush Limbaugh's TV show back and starting in 1992, his old syndicated TV show, one of my focuses as a reporter was to cover the environmental movement. I went to animal rights marches, Earth Days, uh, and I always felt that that was a niche, and a missing component of the mainstream media. When it comes to environmental and climate reporting, they just go full on fear and alarm. So I wanted to show that there's actually... Another side to this, and then it's not the doomsday scenario that you hear uh, in the media. So that is why it's been environmental reporting in general, whether you're talking about species claims or uh, deforestation uh, and climate, has always been a passion.
2: Now, you know, with COVID, that basically wrecked everything, as far as um, especially for your friend, because I, I saw that I was looking at um, some. Ad saying that it was going to a premiere in theaters, and yes. so, uh, are you still looking to premiere in the- theaters? Sometime well, not or right or? now.
3: No, I don't think so now. I mean, we we had to do what a lot of Hollywood movies are doing and just release yeah. them online. We were set for almost eight hundred theaters in the U.S. and Canada last April when COVID, you know, lockdowns came. Uh, And our first film was in over 400 theaters in 2016. So we were nearly doubling the theaters. But no, right now we're focusing on just people can get this through DVD and through online on demand at ClimateHustle2.com. Okay.
2: And you mentioned that uh, Kevin Sorbo is the host uh, of the documentary. And so how did he get involved?
3: Now, he got involved. He's He's got a unique story because he started speaking out. Against all the you know the essentially the politically correct doctrine in Hollywood, and he started losing all of his mainstream Hollywood jobs, so he started looking to do other um, lines of work and he started getting involved in independent films and documentaries, and climate is an issue that's near and dear to his heart. in fact, if you get the movie, uh, he'll even talk about you know in some of his intros and in the q and a questions he talks about his time in hollywood and uh, just all the hypocrisy he witnessed. So he was more than excited to get involved in a project that uh, poked holes in man-made global warming fears.
2: So I know you mentioned earlier, as far as the mainstream media is not, you know, not even trying to show both sides. Uh, what has been the reception as far as for those, I guess uh, skeptics of your skepticism of climate change? So,
3: Well, what's happened is since we announced our movie, uh, the Media Matters for America has said that I was the most, quote, notorious climate denier in America. <laughs> the Democratic congressman who chairs a House committee I testified at last year was asked about Climate Hustle 2 on c and he said the movie is dangerous. In other words, we mislead the public and – deny the seriousness of global warming and it might lead to even more catastrophe because the government won't be able to act we're preventing government from acting so our film was dangerous so that's a sampling of some of the reactions we had other you know but we also got some great reviews from um, breitbart and movie reviewer uh, and other outlets and you go to climate hustle too we have some of the uh, reviews on there uh, cal thomas loved it uh the film tries to use humor And we use their own words against them. So this, just so you know, this is not uh, a documentary where we just interview one side and present it. We feature the other side's apocalyptic claims and then go through them one by one and all the wacky solutions. And we talk about how it's ultimately not about climate. This is really the Green New Deal, the U.N. Paris. This is all about a change the economy thing. And that's the exact quote from the architect of the Green New Deal.
2: Now – I know I mentioned, you know, with COVID, how it messed up everyone, especially your film as far as being put in theaters. But another question, I guess, in relation to COVID is, to me, it feels like the fear and that has been put out about COVID and basically kind of the same playbook in the, in the same way with how they talk about climate change. So I will totally agree that the, um, the virus is real, just as much as I would agree as far as Things about the climate is real, but the agenda behind it is something else, Um, pumping the fear and the threat of it
3: more so than the actual threat. The COVID climate connection is real. What's happened here is the exact same solutions that they're advocating for COVID, i.e. the lockdowns, are the exact same solutions that they've been advocating, climate activists have advocated for, for decades. In fact, they are so excited, Climate Hustle 2 opens with Uh, the the whole COVID climate connection. And we go through how top UN officials, how uh, media figures, how teen activists are all praising the COVID lockdowns as, quote, fantastic for the environment and exactly the same solutions we need for climate change. In fact, just this week, a Soros Bill Gates funded organization is calling for climate lockdowns. And that's why in the film, we actually opened it by saying, if you love the COVID lockdowns, you're going to love the coming climate lockdowns.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, you know, that's something when I was just thinking about this film and just seeing how things are going, it just, you know, it seemed similar to me. And now hearing that from you, you know, now I kind of feel like, okay, I, I, I do see this and, yeah, it's not surprising. So now I saw that you, as um, well, you're working with uh, CFAC. If people don't know about that, um, tell them a little bit about the organization.
3: It's a committee for a constructive tomorrow. It's been around since 1980s. It's a free market environmental think tank, and our attitude is you got to look at the environmental problems. Not every single environmental problem. The knee-jerk reaction is to go for government regulation, shutting down industry. Uh, you know, government bureaucrats being empowered. No, we look at it from a free market perspective. In fact, we argue that wealth prosperity, and economic growth benefit the environment. In other words, we do a lot of international work. If you go, the poorest countries in the world, the ones that, with a billion people or so who don't have running water and electricity, have the worst environments. They use rivers for open sewers. They burn, um, they burn wood or dung in huts made of dung, and they breathe in the poor air quality. Uh, they have slash-and-burn agriculture. So wealth the wealthy you are, the more you can worry about the environment and the more you can take care of your environment, which is what we've shown in the United States. Since the first Earth Day, we've radically improved air and water quality, while at the same time uh, increasing our economic growth and population. So you can have both. It does not require the heavy hand of government.
2: All right. So if people want to know more about Climate Hustle 2 and also want to find you on social media, where would they go?
3: You go to ClimateHustle2.com, ClimateHustle2, the number or the word, 2.com, ClimateHustle2.com. And also um at climate at ClimateDepot on Twitter or ClimateDepot.com, D-E-P-O-T.com.
2: All right, Mark, thanks so much for your time.
3: Thank you, Brian. Appreciate
0: Hey, this is Antonia Okafor with Empowered, and you are listening to Trend Chat with Brian. Hello, Trend Chat listeners. If you like The Founding Project's Civics Education video series, Civics for All Ages, and our educational meme series, we think you will love our new website. Join us at thefoundingproject.com and be a part of the civics movement. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. This is Sarah Gonzalez, and you are listening to Trend Chat.
2: We here at Trend Chat, we are proud to be part of the 1776 militia. Check out 1776 United.com, they have a wide array of clothing, hats, shirts, art, and more that is fiercely patriotic and stylish to match go to 1776united.com and if you put in the code Trentchat, you get 20% off your first purchase. Again, 1776united.com put in the code Trentchat for 20% off. Alright, so well, there was a reason to play both of those from Antonio Okafor and Sarah Gonzalez, I played both because I wanted to congratulate both of them. They both had babies recently in the past couple, well, week or two, and so just wanted to give our congratulations here at Trend Chat to, to both of them. Also, uh, Morgan Zeggers, who we have, you know, Young Americans Against Socialism, want to congratulate her on her move to Texas. So she announced that she's moving to Texas. Um, she lived in New York all this time, I guess. And so she announced she's moving somewhere in Texas. She didn't say where, but, um, I just, you know, congratulations to moving out of that liberal state, (laughs) um, and moving, you know, to, to Texas. And it's great to have people like her, uh, that are coming to Texas that know about the failing policies from these liberal states like California New York, and take your pick as far as the west coast and and are moving to conservative states like texas and and they're not bringing those failed policies to the new state that they're moving to because we have a lot of cases now where you you know you have people leaving California, New York and moving to a conservative state, but then continue to vote for those policies, those Democrat policies that they're escaping from and not realizing that it's what you're voting for is the reason why you have these high taxes and why, why you can't, your know, cost of living is so much higher, and that you want to leave to a, a state like Texas or Tennessee or something like that. But they don't realize that they think it's some somebody else's um, problem, someone else's fault. No, it's what you've been voting for. And you have some of these people that are moving here, you know, to Texas and are voting for the same thing that they were escaping from in these other liberal states. So I'm just glad we have someone like Morgan that it that will not be doing that <laughs> that is moving to Texas so um so before we go as always we want to shout out these locations all right let's turn that down a little bit okay <laughs> so we have Lincoln Nebraska Kansas City Missouri Fort Worth Texas Jaipur India Carrollton, texas mckinney texas houston texas san jose california washington virginia and austin texas now three of those are basically the dallas fort worth area so i appreciate that um i mean it should be because i live in arlington so (laughs) um so now the countries i don't think we've seen this one before we have switzerland and i don't think we've seen switzerland before so and japan Brazil, Guatemala, India in second place for the past month or so. <laughs> um, and, of course, also you know, United States at the top. But, yeah, India has been number two for a month now. I really thought this was going to drop off, to be honest. <laughs> I thought when we debuted on that new streaming service out there in India, like there's a um, J.O. Savan. think is the name of it i don't know if i'm saying it right but they um they started you know distributing trend chat apparently in india uh, about a month ago and i I figured okay maybe someone will see it and the first week or so first day or so everyone like oh what is this and listen to it then next they know it'll drop off (laughs) but it's been a month now and it's still like has a pretty high percentage in comparison to the rest of the countries. Normally the rest of the country is like one, 2%, maybe, maybe three or 4%, but India is like 15, 20%. And it's been staying that way for the past month. So again, I appreciate everyone listening everywhere, anywhere. <laughs> um, but it just, I'm just amazed to see people in India and, um, I, you know, I will give out the, the email trenchat four seven at com, and this goes for everybody just to you know let us know you know if in these international countries in particular like how you like the show how you came across it and all of that so um yeah so that's um that's it for this episode and just uh again thanks to everyone that has been listening and we are uh, so it's trenchat247.com. We're also available on most podcast outlets, and recently have joined on Amazon Music. So I guess you can tell Alexa, um, uh, Alexa, play trench. I don't know if that works. I don't know how that works. I don't have have that, but uh, we're on Amazon Music. So uh, so anyway, appreciate everyone listening and. Until next week, we'll chat with you later.
3: Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.jobslash Fredericksburg.